You are now checked in to Stand Up New York Labs. Oh, yeah. I'm on size natural and basketball tool. R.I.R. badges and their protest wall. Okay, welcome to Free Speech, a video podcast brought to you by Stand Up New York Labs. We're here with uh, one of our favorite guests, Halib Stark. He's the author of Black People vs. Niggers. Uh, a book that I don't know how you get that in stores without warning him with the name. Thanks for coming, Khalid. Hey, thank you, Gav. Appreciate it. You might have noticed that I'm a phone and not a human being. Yeah, that's you're... going to change momentarily. I'm on in a cow on 68. I got a little confused with the train. Well, you look kind of slim in that black as a phone. What What's happening? I said, you said you're a phone and you look kind of slim from what I can see. With these, yeah, I uh, believe I'm an iPhone 6. You're so 6? This is a new model. <laughs> we've got a bigger screen than usual. We're slimmer. <laughs> uh, you may have noticed the battery isn't much better, though. No, not at all. I haven't noticed that. But uh, In my next version, I'm going to be a little bit thicker and just have a better battery. Will, will you come in what? blonde? What do you use? Yes, I will come in brown. Well, what phone do you use? Uh, what is this? The uh, the Galaxy. Oh, okay. I know yeah. a lot of black people use Galaxies. Why is that? Because the Galaxy is black. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we got to keep keep up with uh, appearances, you know. I thought it might be because you have bigger fingers. <laughs> no. <laughs> and those little tiny iPhone keys can be hard to, to manipulate. Now, you know, and uh, I think uh, iPhone is, is, is sort of like the yuppie phone. It's the, it's the hip phone, and, um, and it's costly, too. And then you, get, then you have to get the watch. Um, it's a bit much. Yeah, but ghetto blacks don't seem to mind the price of Givenchy and Louis Vuitton and Gucci. Why would they care about the price of a phone? Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a good point, but a lot of that is uh, knockoffs. Um, once you... I'm not sure if they have the knockoff uh, iPhones, but uh, if they do, yeah, that would that would be a hot commodity in the hood. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Stop the presses! In your book, you clearly state that in the ghetto they don't want knockoffs; they want it to be as expensive as humanly possible in order to maintain the status. Sure. Yeah. You, but you're talking about bags that. Are, I'm, I'm talking about bags that are, are running a mill where they can really where they can afford to get those but the uh, the, uh, the the bags that I can't pronounce the names uh, most of them are knockoffs and you, you oh, read, okay you, you know would you say it's, it's seen as sort of a sellout thing if uh, if a, a black person is seen with an iPhone say that again Gav? Sorry, is it sort of seen as an Uncle Tom thing if a black person has an iPhone? No, no, I was just fucking with you. <laughs> no, not at all. I'm just fucking okay, with that's you. something I want to get into when I get there. Uh, the sort of backlash you've received for daring to go against the narrative, you must get a lot of of black people calling you an Uncle Tom. Uh, Yeah, but I'm I'm not really a pussy, so... <laughs> I, if if I get it, it comes online, but it's nothing, you know, people who know me, I don't get it on the street. 
Yeah, but, that's what I've always suspected, that these sort of beta liberals who ass-kiss blacks aren't really seen as peers. They're seen as pussies. Yeah, you're right. That's pretty much what it is. You're kind of looked at as uh, soft, uh, and when and when and when you when you to, when you're told that you you're acting white or you want to be white, that's kind of like uh, saying you're a bitch. You know, a lot of times black people look at whites as being softer than black people. You you understand well, they, what I'm saying? I guess they are in a lot of ways, especially the ones they come across politically. And, and so with that, uh, with that label of being soft, then you get treated that way. But, you know, I'm like I said, I don't like to wear street credibility on my sleeve and say I'm from the projects. I've been in jail. I don't none of that. But it, it's like you kind of have to show that show that side of you to, to ensure that you're not treated as a pussy. Well, the irony is. This is the way it is with all classes. I mean, you go to a tough Irish neighborhood, and if you're a pussy, you're dead. Uh, if you're a loan shark, you know, in an Italian neighborhood, and you get someone a pass, you're a dead man. It's like prison rules. Well, But with political correctness, you have these rich whites telling poor blacks um, what time it is. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah, I, I hear you. I'm just trying to, uh, when the phone moves and I got a chance to see, I was trying to look at your rear end when you turned the phone aside. aside. <laughs> but, okay, well, if it's a problem talking on the phone, why don't we switch to <laughs> human beings then? <laughs> Holy Jesus. Yeah, I won't, I won't bore you with uh, the details of not understanding trains after living here for 15 years, but you know what you said? Wow. There's that moment on the train where they go, the next stop is 53rd and 7th Ave, or 5th Ave, and you're like, that doesn't make any sense. That's way out on the east side. Run out of the train, gotta come back, make more mistakes jumping on the cab. Anyway, um... Are you, cab? I, I bailed and got a cab. Okay. Which isn't ever any faster, but it just helps the brain feel like you're making progress. Yeah, I agree. And the stress is on someone else driving. Right, right. I'm just in the back with the whip. <laughs> that's exactly what I did, too. I go, I'm really fucking late. <laughs> and he's some African guy that's like, calm down, calm down. We will get you there. You are going to pay for it. You had an African guy? Me, too. Oh, yeah? I wonder if it... No. How do you get to North America from Africa? Like, what a g great in, uh, immigration gig. How do you get from North, how do you get from I Africa? mean I know all my Canadian friends are trying to get into the states everyone in Britain's trying to get into the states and then there's some dude from the Congo just going here I am <laughs> already got a job do, do, do. <laughs> right, right. how did he pull that off Right right good question <laughs> Who do you know you're from the fucking Congo uh, Good question Um when they know the streets they know uh, I got here safely and quickly and on time and On time yeah we're defying stereotypes here on free speech, uh, but just to just just to rearticulate that, not on speakerphone. This whole political correctness thing is weird because you have these upper middle class white people who went to liberal arts schools telling black people in the hood how to live, what to say, what to do, and sometimes even getting them fired. And those two people have nothing in common. Uh, they don't go to the same schools. They right. don't live in the same neighborhoods. Right. And, and it, it, it keeps blowing up in their face, like with the, 
with Rihanna when she got beat up by Chris Brown. Everyone thought, oh, cut and dry case. We got domestic abuse. She's got a picture of herself. Fuck that piece of shit, Chris Brown. And then a few weeks later, she's back with him. Yeah. And they don't know what to do now. So they vilify her. Yeah. And call her a stupid bitch. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, maybe she maybe she is, maybe she isn't. But you're right. The um, The connection, I think, is if we keep you guys, if we appear to have a connection then you won't fuck with us. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you I know, never it, thought of that. It, it, it's that kind of relationship from what I see. If so it's out of, so political correctness is based on fear of blacks. It's fear, absolutely. At the end of the day, it's fear. And I always say to the, um, to the quote-unquote hope and change whites that don't think that you won't become the meal. Right. Uh, even though you're out here protesting and... and Showing arm in arm, but at the end of the day, you will be victimized, and they, and and they won't make a distinction between. Well, he's a white liberal, <laughs> so he's one of us. Right, he's one of the good whites. No, you you will get victimized uh, just as quickly as any other white person will. Well, we saw that in Ferguson. We saw uh, the one of the white protesters. He had a T-shirt he made. Some guy with a white beard. Yeah, it's a cop killer or something. Right. And then he started arguing with the blacks that were rioting, saying, stop this, this is too much, and they kicked his ass with hammers. Yeah, yeah perfect, perfect example. <laughs> yeah, I mean, perfect example. And that, to me, is uh, what I said to you on the phone, is pretty much blacks look at whites as being weaker genetically and, or physically. And you always have the loudmouth black person at any given place, time, will spaz out. Uh, it could be an all-white environment, but the black person feels entitled. And and it's simply because we feel like we're tougher than you guys. Yeah. Well, maybe you are. I mean, if you look at sports, <laughs> blacks seem to dominate, and that can't all be nurture. Oh, they don't dominate when it comes to ownership. Uh, no. So, uh, sure, it's fun, uh, on a field. And, and that, it, to me, that is... Part of the problem with, with I think, in, in the black community is we think we are more of the population than what we are. Black yeah. people really don't know that we're 13% of the population right. because television does an excellent job of putting us everywhere. Right. You know, with the sports, with the movies. Um, the, and the neurosurgeon of the, the neuro hospital. We're the, everywhere. The president. And I make a conscious effort to say, there's another one. There's an just because, on the flip side from the uh, the grievance industry, you hear they're always portraying the blacks as the criminal, as the thief, as the this, as the that, you know. But in reality, I, I I have more cases where blacks aren't portrayed negatively. I mean, in fact, Danny Glover played the president. Before Barack Obama played the president. Yes. On TV. Well, I've never seen a hospital show without a heavy black staff, especially when you go high up to the administration. Can you take your headphones off? I'm worried that camera's not going to. Oh, okay. You're going to block your gorgeous um, face. Fro. There. You're going to yeah, block fro. your fro. <laughs> You're doing that thing that bald guys do where they try to synthesize <laughs> yeah, hair. Right. They always do it with glasses. Have you noticed <laughs> that? They always put their glasses right there. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I think one of the reasons, though, that TV uh, shows do feature blacks so prominently is because they buy shit. 
And I talked to the the, true. the head of True TV, and he goes, "Lizard Lick Towing." It gets five million views, and it, they can't monetize it because it's all old white rednecks, and they don't buy shit. Mm. Anderson Cooper only gets a hundred thousand views, but that guy's making whatever three million bucks a year because that demo, which is probably mostly female, buys shit. And I think blacks are the same way. Yeah, we they are, are part of the economy. Oh yeah, we're definitely a consumer class, uh, uh, definitely with, without a doubt. And it shows in the neighborhoods where you don't see any black businesses, but you have these the the other businesses, the other minorities who come in and brave the element and open the store, um, provide service, deliver pizzas. Meanwhile, we're just buying and consuming. Right. Yes. Yes. Well, isn't there some sort of disdain from blacks towards black entrepreneurs? Like if there was a, a cop told me this, that if there was a cell phone store in the hood and one was black owned and the other was anything else owned, they would go to the anything else owned one just out of some sort of weird uh, jealousy or I don't know. Well, it's, it's the crabs in the barrel mentality. Yes. And I know, I know it's cliche, heard the term a thousand times, but it's true. Yeah. It's, it's, it's basically, how did you get that and I did it? And then on top of that, the black person is always expected to do for blacks after he reaches re- reaches a certain level. If you open a store, now you're expected to give stuff to the to blacks. Person comes in and I don't have right, it. Right. I'm 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 five dollars short. Can I? And and if you say no, it's like, oh wow, you're going to do me like that, brother. And yeah, you know, one of us made a, it. Help yeah, a brother out. Well, you see that with sports stars and their entourages, or any black celebrity yeah. in his entourage. He and seems you see the effects. He's got to divide everything he makes by twelve all of a sudden. Absolutely, and that is part of the problem. Every black person see the they expect a black person to to always come back, and it's kind of it, it bothersome because you don't get a chance to be an individual because you're you're, you're expected. Even if you leave, the, the, I always say the hood is not a place to personify. It's mm. a place to escape. Yeah. But yeah, it, it means poverty. It, it absolutely means poverty. And, and uh, people want, expect you to come back and like Robin Hood and sprinkle whatever you have to the, divide whatever you have to the masses until it's all gone. And now, you know, that's. Uh, keeping it real and you're one of them again you know that the same thing happens with canadians they have this whole don't make it moving to the states is the worst thing you can possibly do all the celebrities who do that are vilified but also in britain you've got i'm working class i've got my fucking soccer team man U. <laughs> my dad had man U. his dad was in the fucking man U. why would you want to be middle class so even right. if you if you start making money even before you have time to divvy it out you're already going against your people, your culture, and they mock, you know, British working class guys mock uh, anyone who wants to be middle class. And that's just wanting to make money. American American rednecks don't really have that, which is maybe why they vote Republican. They seem to think, we're going to make it one day. Actually, yeah. don't blacks have that too? They're always, all rappers are talking about making money. Sure. They, yeah, they, uh, and, and that's what, and that's the, what, what makes me scratch my head because that, Ultimately, rappers are entrepreneurs. Yeah, that's and what then, Sonny Johnson's always going on about. Yeah, and and um, and most kids want to be rappers and athletes, but um, maybe I'm me going off topic here. But 
Uh, I think that is the, the the curse, is that you not most kids look up to rappers and athletes, and that's all they want to be. And and once you and most kids fail at being that. Yeah, they're they're both really hard. Yeah, it takes a lot of luck. It takes a lot of luck and skill and um, uh, uh, maybe knowing the right people. Yep. But it's most people fail at that, and then you end up back in the hood, and you try to live the life that the lyrics the lyrics you write. This is like life imitating art. And people try to personify that, especially the young, the younger black kids, the younger teenagers, and this cycle continues over and over. No one really as- aspires to be Jerry Jones of the Dallas Cowboys, right? Or, or as a matter of fact, no one aspires to be Michael Jordan, owner of the Bobcats. They aspire to be Michael Jordan, the athlete. Yes, the and, greatest athlete in the world. Yes, they would like to be. No one wa- thinks of Michael Jordan as C- I want to be Michael Jordan CEO. No one. Because that's not uh, where the glory is, or the uh, pussy. Actually, they both have probably equal amounts of pussy. I would, I would, I would, I would say, I would agree with that. If you have money if and you, power, you could look like well, Bill Gates. I mean, you could be a hideous little worm, and you're gonna sure. get pussy. But I, I, yeah, I think being handsome is really for broke guys. <laughs> you know, if you broke, that's <laughs> where it comes. Handsome in. is for losers. <laughs> have you noticed, by the way, that young handsome men of all races uh, are himbos now? They're dumb. Have I noticed? Yeah. I never really... I, no, I haven't. If you meet a young hunk, you'll notice he's a fucking moron. And back in the 60s and 70s and even 80s, incredibly handsome men would be movers and shakers. They'd own a company. They'd be the head sales guy. They'd be the face of Ford. Right. And then male modeling hit. And now we have male himbos who are the stupidest fucking losers in the world. How did you get himbo? What is what is Bimbo. That? Oh, Him it? bimbo. Wow, okay. It's a new phenomenon I've noticed. A himbo. You know, before we go off on too many tangents, first of all, is it possible to get some wawa, as my son calls it? And secondly, I feel like we've jumped too quickly into this conversation, possibly because I'm so late. Let's get to know Talib Starks sure. a little bit first. All righty. You, why don't you tell us where you're from, how you grew up, and then tell us about The Uncivil War, your book. Got it. Well, I'm from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, which is um, Philadelphia. Also, that's the... Mumaya Abu-Jamal's hometown. Absolutely. Mumia, Rocky, uh, the sim- symbolic Rocky. Right. Um, oh, can I just say... Yep. When Rocky fought Apollo Creed, that was a great moment for Philadelphia. Was it? Yeah. Did Rocky lose? He got, his, he got his ass beat, but <laughs> he. I wanted Rocky to... I was... Uh, most of us cheer for Rocky, even though Apollo Creed was black. And usually, you go with the... The guy you look like. Yeah. Usually, well, in a way, Rocky was blacker than Apollo well, Ro- Creed. <laughs> Rocky was the man. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I'm from Philadelphia. Um, and um, I work with juvenile delinquents, juvenile dependents in the city. Been doing that for almost almost two decades now. Um, the book was basically my, as I say, was my bottled fr- frustration of seeing What's happening in the community, and it's kind of like if if you have a relative that has a sickness or disease, rather, and then another relative has it, and then you you notice and no one's really talking about it, but you see like he's dying from it, she's dying from it, and you look around other black communities, other people are dying from it, and no one is talking about it. So I decided to talk about it, and that disease was actually of uh, black men that was killing off 
uh, in my case, relatives and friends. And I wanted right. to bring that to the forefront because I know this is a problem nationwide. But well, you lost your cousin, didn't you? Absolutely. And I was on my um, I was on on my way to a book signing in Houston. On the plane, I got off the plane. And I was, you know, amped. I was happy about signing the book and meeting people, and found out that my cousin was killed, and he was my younger cousin. Uh-huh. He, and he did the right things. He worked. Um, he had his own vehicle. He, he uh, independent, and he got robbed, robbed and killed. And the thing is about uh, about these kids, they don't just rob anymore. They rob and they kill. Case in point, the um, the gentleman just happened in Philadelphia, um, James Schulman, 51-year-old guy. And James Schulman's name will never be remembered. He, This will not be a case of a Trayvon Michael Brown where you will remember years from now. This guy's name will be anonymous in, the, in another month. Um, but he was walking his dog, approached by three juve, uh, juveniles, who were playing basketball but decided, you know, we're going to rob someone. You know, basketball is fun, but let's do something else. Let's get have fun and make money. They saw one person, decided, nah. And he saw the white guy, said, yeah, there he is. And this is the guy, James Schulman, 51 years old. Please don't shoot. I mean, this was literally the Oh, yeah, up, I just read about this. Yeah. this begging is, for mercy. Begging, begging for his life. Please don't shoot. Shot the hands guy. up! Don't shoot. Yeah, this is really not the facade, not the uh, the hands up, don't shoot. Uh, you know the fake version. This is actual what actually happened, and he was killed. And they didn't take anything from the guy. You know, so, I mean, it's clearly understandable why that doesn't take off because it doesn't fit the narrative, and it, and people are even mostly white people are uncomfortable with the idea of talking about blacks killing whites. So, okay, I can take it if we're not quite there yet, but the fact that they choose Mike Brown, Garner, and Trayvon, they're such shitty examples of heroes and victims. We can dig up white cops killing innocent black men. Yeah. You know, we can find you heroes. We can find a father of three who was, you know, went to jail for the wrong reason. We can find you those guys. Yeah. But... I don't understand why we choose such crappy heroes. You know, Whitney Houston, the worst mother alive, who fucking dies high out of her mind in a bathtub, <laughs> and the flag goes down at half-mast. Why are we choosing that black hero? You know, there's millions of other black heroes. It, I don't understand why they're so fucking... The, the liberal left, who is funding these things, like George Soros, it just, I think they're just lazy about who they choose. Yeah, it's it's easy, and and you always get you can get behind a Mike Brown and a um, Trayvon because those kids are the typical black kids in the inner city. There they are. Regardless, if you saw you saw Mike Brown, and I don't like talking. I've talked about this so much that yeah. But you've seen you actually seen the guy on video committing a crime, strong arm robbery, right? And that becomes uh obsolete and when they tell the story that part of the story is is uh edited edited out right and that and that happens at the end of the day he was a black kid he was a white guy that's where the problem starts with the pull even when it went into the police if it's a if there's a white cop black uh perpetrator 
The white cop is always seen as the racist until proven otherwise. Right. And for that reason, they've noticed that blacks are more re reluctant to pull out their weapon when blacks are involved. Yeah, yeah. I, I wrote about that. When that, that study is very interesting. But that can cost a, someone their life. If, yeah. You know, that, that split second of being hesitant. But people are thinking, do I want the shit that comes with killing, shooting this guy? Uh, and may end up being shot himself while he contemplates, is it worth it? Right, contemplates you know? the stigma. You yeah. die of contemplation. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, what That's frustrates me about all this is if you haven't looked up the stats on black murder and you don't know that 93% of blacks, black murders are by other blacks, then you don't fucking care. And you're just out here chanting, what do we want? Dead cops. When do we want it? Now, for fashion. Yeah. And it's one thing to have a fad like skateboarding or fucking a mohawk, but your <laughs> fad is scoffing at millions of dead black people. I agree. And I think that's so hypocritical. And that's, and that's, the, and that's what fuels me to keep doing what I'm doing is because the hypocrisy, basically what they're saying is if you're a young black kid, it's probably better off for you to get killed by a white person. Mm. That's where the glory is. Yeah. You get killed by one of your own. You'll be on sweatshirts. <laughs> yeah, you get you get killed by a white person, and I wrote about this too. And and you get you you become famous. Yep. You'll be martyred. Mm -hmm. uh, you you have a funeral that people will lob, will compete to pay for. You have different black fraternities saying, "Let me pay for it. Let me pay for it. We want exclusive rights to right. pay for it." You get. You know, Michael Brown's parents went to the United Nations to speak. Yes. And you get different celebrities wearing shirts and that you didn't even meet when you were alive. But you'll get all of this um, after you die. But <coughs> it's contingent upon the shooter being white. Right. And hopefully fitting the narrative. Lucky, he's white. Horatio Sands was recently in the news because he said SNL is... Uh, two Republicans, two right wing. It's not anti-establishment enough. But what he doesn't understand is the liberal narrative is the establishment today. Yeah, absolutely. If you fit that narrative, if you carry around a mattress and say someone put it in your butthole when it was supposed to only go in your vagina and you regretted it months later, <laughs> you get invited to Congress. I mean, you can go and talk uh, at political events carrying yeah. your fucking mattress. Or, uh, you know, the hands up, don't shoot thing has no evidence whatsoever to support it. CNN anchors have their hands up. You're watching Pharrell at an awards show. All his dancers are dressed like Trayvon with their hands up. It's the mainstream to go, right. uh, to run with these myths. Absolutely. And to go against it gets you fired, gets you vilified, makes you a pariah. So it's now anti-establishment to be tra traditional and to look up fucking facts. Right. Even black, the uh, the black caucus, I believe. Carcass. It should be called the black carcass. <laughs> they were, I remember them, hands up, don't shoot, and they left. Oh, yeah, yeah. For the photo op. You know, and all of that, again, it speaks to the fact that he was killed by a white person. And, a sort of white person. <clears throat> sort of white person. Or, and that's, no, he had enough white to yeah. push the narrative. If you yeah. have half, that's good. That's, well, Obama's that's more a black president. He never hung out with his dad at all, but right. he's the blackest guy we got. Right. You just need a little bit and, you know. I, I should say something. We, we, 
I want to get liberals on this show and people I disagree with. I cannot fucking get them to go on this show. I cannot get them to debate me. They'll meet me for lunch or something, or we'll talk via email, but they never come here. And my experience has been, it's because they know deep down they're wrong, and they haven't looked at the numbers. And they get nervous because... To be anti-establishment, to be anti-liberal narrative means you've got to Google shit yeah. and you've got to know your numbers. And they are happy with platitudes like we're a nation of immigrants and women are oppressed and yeah. America's racist. They don't have to back that up. So they're reluctant to get into, involved in the numbers because they lose. So that leaves me with the only, my only option now is to put on the white devil's advocate hat and try to justify uh, bad black behavior uh, to you so we can at least fucking disagree on something. Well, go ahead. Uh, shoot. <clears throat> what about the argument, and I think this is pretty valid, that these massive incarceration rates are just as responsible for black anarchy than welfare and encouraging moms to be single and not having dads. Uh, going into jail when you're 13, seeing all your friends go to jail... That splits up a family too, and I think it's it's hard not to to pin all the crime, all the violence on the gangs on the lack of family. <clears throat> That's a fact. So the question is, well, what split the family? Now the right says welfare, and the left says jail. Let's get into jail. I don't mean you and I should go to jail, <laughs> but do you think that you can put some some blame on the incarceration rates? Well, we. I know that with the drug laws and yes. the mandatory minimums, what uh, the impact uh, the mandatory minimums have had on the black community. With that said, if you know the game is rigged, why play the game? And I and with a lot of the kids with growing up, going to jail is a rite of passage. Mm. It's a mentality where you and I, you you looking you're looking at it from an overview and you're looking and dissecting and you're trying to find correlation, causation. It's not that deep in the black community. It's a rite of passage. You have children, you have sons whose uncles are there, fathers are there. It's a it's a retreat almost. It becomes <laughs> it becomes the hangout. Doesn't a Buck Wild say that? I go to jail when I get fat. <laughs> yes. Yes, it's that's what I'm saying. It's is 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 glamorized. And that's uh, that's on us. Sure, you can. And 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 I say in the book, I'm not mad at the uh, prison industry for saying, you know, we have we actually have a lot of stock we haven't tapped into. And these these this is willing stock. These these a lot of. And it frustrates me because these kids are willing to go to jail. Oh, that's fascinating. So you're saying that because the, the, the narrative is that the prison system uh, trumps up charges to pull in blacks. And you're saying the prison system is saying, no, no, we basically just take volunteers at this point. Absolutely. That, that's, that's my point. Listen, when I was locked up and I went to jail briefly, uh, can, is this going to be edited out? Uh, it's not going to be edited no, out, but I'm now gonna... I'm scared. <laughs> no. Did you go to jail for murdering a podcast host? Uh, no, it's something I, I got into a beef with some Canadian guy. Some oh, uh, uh, I was born in England. Was... We lived in Canada for a brief time, <laughs> from seventy-five to ninety-nine. <laughs> no, I. Uh... <laughs> nah, it it wasn't it it wasn't. Um, I don't want to appear to 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 sound like I'm um, Tupac and 
you know, went in and wrote albums and. It's okay. I don't consider it cool to go to jail. <laughs> it was not. It was not cool at all. Can we hear the charge? And um, it was. Um, Could we have a drug rough, related? Drug related. Yeah, Got drug related. It. And there was no one in jail talking about when I get out, man. I'm going to turn my life around. No one. Everyone met. Everyone you meet in jail or prison. Let me be specific. Prison is just trying to figure out how to hone the craft. Right. So what I did wrong was I went left when I should have went right. So next time, <laughs> I'm going right. Or I shouldn't have called that guy knowing that he was talking with the police. So next time, what I'm going to do, I'm going to have somebody else call. You know, it, it becomes chess. You figure out what to do next time so you don't get caught. Whoa. And I haven't, and, and you know, and this is my anecdotal story. Of but course, yeah. Living in the, the environment, most of the people who want, who who talk reformation are the guys that are doing life. So they it's nothing else. You know, Tookie Williams, who was the uh credited for starting the Bloods gang, I believe, mm-hmm. was on death row. And he while on death row, he wrote children's books and he became this this uh father figure for the young gangsters that leave their life alone and he's on death row. I can guarantee the guy that's doing two years, he's uh he has a different plan. His plan is to get back out and see what he can do to make sure he doesn't go back in. So the the left says there's two kids smoking pot in college. One's black, one's white. The black guy gets thrown in jail, prison. He's in there for two years, right? And it's like crime school, whereas the white guy who was doing the same crime goes out and becomes a CEO of GE. Excuse me, but you're saying... No, that's just a made-up liberal view of the world. What's really happening is the guys, the black guys in jail see it more as a video game, and they're just like, oh, fuck, I got caught. Okay, I got to change my... That's my point. Um, And the same thing goes with rap music. When you say white, black, you know, whites are the biggest consumers of rap music. Mm -hmm. However, their neighborhoods don't reflect rap music the way black neighborhoods do because the the black listener, I mean, hip-hop, is like a uh, surrogate parent for most of the black kids. So they personify hip hop, whereas the white guys may try it on and they'll take it off. Right. And, you know, I like this song, but okay, now it's time to go to work. Yeah, well, you even hear that with rich girls, you know, who are working in the fashion industry. They'll, they'll be like, if Sergio doesn't show up with my dress at four, I'm just going to bust a cap in his fucking ass. I'm serious, <laughs> homies. <laughs> it's become part of the fun vernacular. Where do you get all these impressions, man? <laughs> killing me. That's my wife. She used to work in fashion. I'd hear them all talking about busting caps. Wow. At the P- yeah. fashion PR firms. At the the richer PR they are, firm. the more they love. The more gangster. The more, the more Biggie Smalls lyrics they know verbatim. It's yeah, disturbing. But, it, but you, like I said, it's you're in and you're out. Right. You know, it's not uh, what you aspire to be or prove to be. And that's the difference. That's the same way with jail. When I, when I went... And I said, once I get out, I went to school. I went to, I enrolled myself into college. I didn't finish, by the way. Because <laughs> you yeah. wanted to keep it real. Yeah, I couldn't finish. You know, I, I made a mistake. I became a father at an early age and um, set myself back by becoming a father. I became a father at 20 years old. But what's interesting, now that I look back, and I mentioned this in the book, I think, um, I probably was the oldest father. Really? You know, at yeah. At 20. 
Well, I've know. noticed that with black grandmas. Yeah, they're, they're all like, my age. Yeah, they're, they're yeah, and they're, and they're still, they're hip, and they don't, they're not the grandmoms. I'm like, my grandmother was like uh, uh, Aunt Jemima. She was old. <laughs> she knew she had how to white cook. hair. Yeah, she was, you know, she was like the grandmama down south. Now, these new grandmothers are, they're, in, they're on Facebook, they you know, Twitter and, and Instagram. Yeah, because they're type, 40. Yeah, it's a different type <laughs> of grandmother out here. And, and, and the mothers are basically growing up with the kids in the household. So because they have the children at a young age, it's just, you know, it's, it's bad. So it's bad the, the argument is with the two kids smoking pot is you're saying that it's not a black kid and a white kid smoking pot and the, and the black kid getting worse. And it's the black kid's doing worse than smoking pot. He's going out there and selling crack and gangbanging. Is that what's going on yeah, here? Usually, and that's that's where the the culture takes over. Um, now, I've known a lot of white kids who've done dirt, young and and when we were younger. I know and, what and doing dirt is, but for the folks at home, could you elaborate? I mean, well, can, uh, <laughs> people are actually watching this. It's probably but, um, about seventy. Okay, cool. Um, Doing dirt, what I'm saying is committing crimes. Ah, okay. Obviously, you know, duh. <laughs> and most of them that I've seen later in life are some type work. They have jobs. Interesting. And and that's not to say all of the black friends that I, or black people I've known uh, work, I mean, ha, uh, are criminals, who were criminals are still criminals. But that's largely what it is. Well, you know what's funny about what you just said? So many times when you notice a pattern, whether it's Irish being bad drunks, you have to say, this doesn't apply to everyone. Now, the fact that we have to fucking say I, that. I hear you. Like, agree. women are bad drivers, I've noticed. And they go, oh, really? Then what about Kitty O'Neill, who drove the fastest <laughs> blue flame fucking hot rod down the Bonneville Flats in 1972? And you're like, I didn't say uh, it's impossible. I noticed a pattern yeah. based on million. You can't notice patterns anymore. Yeah. So on this show, we like to discuss patterns, but maybe we should have a disclaimer. Obviously, you can be fucking whatever you want to be, and there's no absolute rules here. Nothing we say is written in stone, for fuck's sake. I hear you, and and that sucks because you have to. Well, all black people aren't like that. Thanks, congratulations. <sighs> you know, all thirty million black people aren't like. Of course, they're not. There's dudes who want to be disabled, so they tie ropes around their legs until their feet go blue and fall off. There, there's exceptions to everything. We're, exactly. we're seven billion, okay? There's fucking babies that can swim and dance. We're not, we're not saying that you can't do what we have the anything that doesn't adhere to the fucking pattern. Okay, yeah, what about what this? Said. What about this? Just to stick to this, I, I'm actually thinking of this dude, uh, friend of Russell Simmons, who who uh, uh, is constantly. You know, he's one of these white dudes who Michael says something. Yeah, he's like, with all due respect, and he uses the, he has black mannerisms, and he, he's always got his hands. He said I was Anthony. He said I was Anthony Cumia's only black friend. That's not so true. I know who you're talking. Hey, about. that's not true. Be so fucking what? And I'm not his friend. I'm his weed guy. That's just, <laughs> I'm the guy that comes in and delivers the, delivers the goods. But he brought up a point that a lot of people uh, don't believe, and it is true. And I'm going to give the left this. It is a fact that during the Iran-Contra affair, the president, Ron Reagan, I believe it was, wa he wasn't 
pouring crack into the hood. But what he was doing was he wanted to fund the Contras. He couldn't do it. There was a Nicaraguan expat who hated socialists. This guy was drug running to get money to send to the anti-communist uh, guerrillas, the Contras. So the CIA turned a blind eye to this massive drug dealing, and that's how you got, uh, what's his name, Freeway? Freeway, Ricky Ross. Ricky Ross. That's yep. how you ended up with Ricky Ross being the biggest coke deal in the world. That is cited again and again, and it makes it all the way up to the Northeast somehow. I don't know why New York gets all this, this Rick Ross coke. Right. But I that know. explains all drug wars, all gang violence, bloods, crips, everything all seems to be pinned on this one time the CIA turned their back on Rick Ross's drug cartel. Is there any truth to that? It's true, truth to the, um, to the story, of course, of the facts. Support. Can we link but all black, well, I shouldn't you, say all black crime, but can we link the massive incarceration rates with that? Well, that around it, again, goes back to the mandatory minimums, um, which also mm. were... Related to, uh, yeah, crack was getting twenty that times the sentence right. that cocaine and was. Cocaine was. What about that argument? That's true, but still, again, I maybe it's because I'm a guy that's into personal responsibility. I don't know, but if you know the game is rigged, don't play the game. Um, you have a lot of people growing up, and there were a lot of guys that got rich from crack in my neighborhood. Right, rich. Yeah, I never you know, thought of that. There's the guys who did really well. They, and that was a good <laughs> got time. Out. It was a good time for a lot of people. <laughs> and, that part, <laughs> and they they put a down payment on a house, got a nice car, yeah, learned to trade, time. and now they're doing great. Um, Invested in their RSPs right. or whatever. There's front managers <laughs> taking pictures with them. Open to car wash. <laughs> they're doing great. It was a good time for a lot of guys. A lot of rappers uh, uh, at that time were funded. By drug activity. Well, Jay-Z in 99 Problems, he talks about Thank the you. fucking cops pulling him over for no reason. And it's like half your songs about what a great crack dealer you were. So, yeah, that, so they kind of almost got the right guy. Absolutely. They should. That's, uh, that's, that's not profiling. That's not racial profiling. That's criminal profiling. Yeah, they were late. Yeah, they, they should have. Yeah. So um, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't buy into the notion that basically what happened during that era is responsible for responsible for what's occurring since. I mean, at some point, you have to if you know that that's what happened. And most people know they know all of the the big guys, the the, the Rick Rosses, the uh, uh, Big Meeches, the um, the the uh, Nikki, what's his name from from Harlem. Um, oh yeah, Jay Z drops all, all of the names, all of the names of all of the big guys who. Got did really well during that time. Frank Lucas, who had a movie, Denzel Washington. All right, um, American Gangster. Mar American Gangster. You can they can they can name drop these guys because these are heroes to them, right? So at, again, at some point, you have a choice. Like I said before, you're going to if you're going to know a Al Sharpton and you know a uh, Jesse Jackson, but you don't know a Dr. Ben Carson. But right. We're in an age of information now. You it's there. But you just choose to know these guys because you're comfortable with them. They say what you want to hear and give you the easy route. And the same thing with the big drug dealers. They say all you gotta do is you sell this and get that. And if you get locked up, or you're a kid, you're only gonna do XYZ, you'll be out in no time. 
You know, so it's it's a process where people know what they're getting into and they're choosing to get into. It. And I don't buy into the I don't buy into that notion that uh, we were we were set up. Maybe maybe during the '80s when it first happened, but even so, even so, Gavin, you're still responsible for. To me, I'm just you're just responsible for, for that. And my wife, if I told my wife um, when I went to see Gavin, he had strippers come in and the strippers they just they were I couldn't free. help myself. Yeah, they he just, there were so many and they just <laughs> and I had unprotected sex with a few of them. But it, Gavin, he brought them to the studio. Why don't you understand this? There's no way that she went. You'd un- still be in trouble. I, but no way. but say you were wasted at a party and there was a girl who looked like Eva Mendez that wanted to suck your cock so bad she was crying. She was like, "Please, I just want to touch it." I just- it would be like I'm monogamous, but it's fucking easy because that never happens. But if you were famous and a, a rock star or something, and women had tears in their eyes because they wanted to suck your cock so bad, I wouldn't get married. That would you shouldn't be married. <laughs> yes. if you- men are only as loyal as their opportunities. I agree, but you must get some opportunities. You're much more I'm handsome married. than I am. Oh, I'm married. I'm married. Where do you? You still live in Philly? I still live in Philly. Still live in the um um. I, I live I live in a um diverse neighborhood. Uh huh. Not racially diverse. Because when when Philly gets broke, it gets fucking spooky. When it gets broke, yeah, like the the bad areas of Philly are boarded up windows and dogs running around. Philly is the uh, out of the big cities. Philly is number one in poverty. Really? Yeah. So um, it's one of those cities where you know they uh, they were talking about creating an app for. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I remember this. A couple people tried, but it was shot down because of the political correctness Yeah, it was like a ghetto. It was dangerous areas. Yeah. And they saw it as some sort of ghetto voyeurism. Yeah. But when people were creating the app and driving around the neighborhoods trying to map it out, they got robbed. Yeah. And you know what? (laughs) I want to say this now to the, how many, 70 listeners of the show? There will be 35,000 downloads eventually. So let's say 40,000 people. 40,000. If you're an app developer and you want to create the ghetto, void the ghetto app, please contact me. Uh, I will be a willing spokesperson for that. Oh, good. That is necessary. And the political correctness uh, basically crushed it before it can even get started. uh, But it's necessary because where we live and, and there are schools, colleges that Live in gentr- they're, they're gentrifying the neighborhoods, but the wolves are waiting on the out on the outsides. One street away, too. One, it's not like it gets away. slowly worse. It just goes boom just, in one it's street. A, a dividing line. Yeah, and so the wolves wait by the line, <laughs> and if you cross, you know, and sometimes they'll venture over into in, into the area. But the schools have become uh, more proactive with that, uh, and created these green zones, as I call them. To where when they, these green zones, you know, the the, uh, the criminals know, I better wait till they come on this side because if I go over there. So what know. what about this kid you have when you're 20? Is she with you? I know it's a girl for some reason. I'm intuitive that way. You talking about my child? Yeah. This is actually a son. Oh fuck! I guess I'm not so psychic after all. <laughs> Damn Canadians, man. Uh, yeah, is he is he with me? Yeah. That's my that's my boy. Oh, so he lives with you and your new wife. He's he's moved, he's moved now. He's twenty one now. Oh so shit! You know he's at the age where he's heard enough from me. Right. You know I I used to 
Now, twenty-one's a rocky age. It is, and your dad is dumb. Your dad becomes an idiot from around seventeen to twenty-five. So you still don't know what you're talking about in his mind. But you speak with such blatant logic; it must be creeping through. Especially Uh, the dead cousin lying on the road. I hope so. But again, I'm the dad. It's you know I work with kids, do other teenagers, and it's weird because my the dynamic I have with them is that they wish they had. Me, they love. I'm going to say they love me, you know, and I see it. And when I when and a few times I saw my my uh, son when I had the other boys, and they were like, "Wow, your dad is cool, man," you know. And but he's my like son him, like, yeah, that nerd, <laughs> this guy. And that's it's the dynamic I tried to think was I like that, man. I probably was like that for my with my dad. Oh yeah, you know, I think I was. He said my dad said some things to me as a kid that I thought like, "What the fuck is he talking about?" Yeah. Then later, damn, he was right. Yeah. And uh, that's just that's just where it is with my son. And I had actually had the talk, the talk with him. Oh, I don't like, like that talk. Wait, you had the talk wait, wait, where you gotta, no, okay? I had this. Now let me say, tell me about your there, talk. There's two talks. Because okay. There's the there's the sex talk. No, no, uh, not that one. Oh, I had the survival talk. Okay. That talk. So uh, you you didn't have that talk where you said. Cops are going to kill you. America's racist. You're going to have to work twice as hard as a white guy. Uh, you're, you're starting an uphill battle because America doesn't like you. Well, I did tell him you have to work twice as hard, but not twice as hard because of racism, but twice as hard because there are people who look like you who makes it, uh, people who look like you who make it difficult for guys like you. Right. You know, um, the guy that goes into the uh, who works with you, your friend, he has a friend that started working with him. Friend um, decided, I've, I've had enough of working. You know, so if you gave him as a reference, now that looks bad right. on you. You referred this guy, so it looks bad on you. So now the next guy, you say, well, can I have enough? An opportunity is pretty much gone. So I, I, I tell tell my son that he's the profile in that. If he does face, which in Philly, Philly's a majority black city. So the profiling you get is because of the crime committed by people who look like you. So so. that's the frustrating thing with the whole grabbing the purse in the elevator cliche. They say, I'm an innocent black guy. And then this Asian woman sees me and she pushes, she pulls her purse closer towards her. And you go, why aren't you mad at the fucking purse thieves? Yeah. For creating this it, pattern right. that you're suffering from. Why is it this bitch's fault? You, She's just statistically you, working out that the odds are higher of her absolutely. getting robbed than if there was a little Asian woman next to her. Absolutely. You you change you change the reality, the perception follows. And we haven't done a good job of changing the reality because uh change reality takes work. Right. And um like I say, I I think being victims is our comfort zone. Uh, working to change the reality that there's a, uh, a subculture within our community that's responsible for half of the country's homicides. I mean, that's that's a harrowing statistic there. But like you said earlier, many people don't know that. Right. And when you put that on the table, the first uh, rebuttal is, well, white people kill too. You know, and it's anything black Let's people break do. Break down the math. You have any anything you any pathology you bring about talk about blacks, whites are always the, the counter argument is all well, whites do it too. 
Well, serial killers are white. Yeah, I know. That's why when there's a serial killing that they racially profile white perpetrators. Sure. The odds are it's a white dude. Sure. Yeah. yeah. When when stereotype tips that way, it's okay. But when it tilts our way, then it's racism. Right. And that's, yeah, that's it. It is what it is, Gavin. I I met a guy yesterday, a gawker blogger, and I had lunch with him. Oh, boy. Because I wanted to get in the head of these people who get people fired. Because I'm noticing that the left has run out of white demons because white people are so fucking pussy whipped now (laughs) that if someone has something remotely controversial, they preface it with, you know, 19 uh, disclaimers and this doesn't affect all. And then they hold up a black baby they adopted and said, okay, now can I say it? So they don't make good villains. So they started going after brown people and blacks and the, you know ho- gays are getting called homophobe and women are getting called sexist and fucking blacks are getting called racist and this guy Razib Khan just Razib lost Razib Khan Razib Khan okay. uh, Bangladeshi probably in origin but uh uh he had said that he is open to hearing about race and IQ which is the elephant in the room it's i think it's the impetus of the left's crusade that they're, if they're petrified that if that data is looked at, blacks will come out looking badly and policy will ergo follow. And this guy said that. He goes, it's scientific racism and policies will be made that will hurt visible minorities if they score bad on these tests. So I don't want that subject to be touched. I'm paraphrasing him here. Yeah. So based on the risk of a visible minority being hurt by data, he got this guy fired for looking into it. Wow. And I wanted to ask you, does this ever come up? These Are there genetic differences with races? It, does this deserve to be the never-discussed subject? Uh, I'm sure the Asians wouldn't mind talking about it. Because yeah, they, they do pretty good. They do pretty well on it, <laughs> right? But um, I, don't, I don't really have this discussion because, uh, not that I, I, I welcome it, but in my circle around people, no one really talks about IQ. Right. Although, I mean, it's you can look and and I understand why uh, why I don't understand why I got the guy fired, but I understand why uh, they want to keep it contained and uh, and buried because you know black people react a certain way over it. It takes the smallest stimuli to have uh, you know a black a blackout or uh, uh, so something like this. If you were to just take unbiased scientists uh studies and just show on the chart it may it won't be pretty i mean and you know what else what else gavin even in the stem science uh the stem sciences blacks are lagging well actually blacks aren't signing up and so you have these different you have these different companies outreach programs to get more blacks involved and is so what happens then and then you turn on television, you see the black scientists and the black uh, the, uh, neurosurgeon and the black this yeah. and the black that, but it doesn't actually gel with what's going on in real life. It doesn't reflect what's going on in real life. I don't know if it's because I, I grew up in Canada or my parents are British or something, but I just have a total dissonance with any data, and I couldn't care less who scores badly. So if those tests go Asian, white, black, I recognize that there's massive overlap where millions of blacks are smarter than millions of Asians. So it doesn't affect you on a personal day-to-day because you have to assume that not every person you meet meets this gigantic pattern. Sure. 
So who cares if your group does bad? Like my Scottish relatives, my fucking uncle died in a puddle of alcoholism. I don't fucking care. The McInneses look pretty bad on paper. <laughs> and my wife's American Indian family, a lot of those relatives, sorry, but they don't have the most impressive resume. It doesn't affect how I feel about my wife. Right. So there's this, this petrifying fear of patterns, and it's linked to a petrifying fear of information because maybe you know, one group's going to start classifying people and it'll end up in legislation, but that's a fucking bizarre pipe dream that I don't know where it comes from. Maybe it comes from the Nazis. We're all scared there's going to be a new, a fourth Reich. But it's an impossibility. And and this fear of information is fucking up it people's is. lives. It's absolutely fair information. And I think with us, we don't want to, black, as the black people, we don't want to look bad. We'll do anything not to look bad. That's why we harbor the criminal element because we don't want to look bad to outsiders. You so, see the exact same thing with Islam. You have absolutely. moderate Muslims turning a back turning turning their back on extremism because they feel like it mars our group rather than distancing themselves right and that's what i love about your book it says i'm sick of taking in the bad guys like you said you said in your book that one of the solutions is to not try to bring them in and help them to cut them loose yeah, cut them loose yeah let them fend for themselves uh, but aren't but, you aren't you doing the opposite of that with your uh, with your program where you deal with troubled teens well in, in that instance my my philosophy is I'm a gardener and when I, look, I look at myself as a gardener and I know Great in this analogy. garden I'm going to have weeds. Right. Got it. So what I do is I focus on the flowers and I know I can't help the weeds so I just rip the weeds out. <laughs> but the flowers I feel like I may be able to preve prevent them from dying from you know help them maximize their potential. Right. It's going to, and like I said um, if I know I can't help you, I won't waste time trying to help you. Right. If you have to come, you have to uh, evolve to a point where you're approachable. But at this time, maybe the best thing that could happen for you is jail because that's where a lot of people aspire to be. So if you come to my program and you want to be uh, a thug, you want to live the life of uh, what you see on TV, the rappers, the quick money, hoes and all of that, and I'm trying to show you that that's a dead-end path. That's an illusion. Um, just like I had to go through it. And that's all I can do. I can can't. you give me a specific example without naming names of a weed that you just pulled out and said, you're not coming to this class anymore? Well, it's it's not a class. It's, it's more or less it's a residential setting. Okay. Um, you know, group they live setting. there? Yeah. And you come in in the mornings? Yeah. And, 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 who, who cooks the meals? Um basically they do oh cool. well, we do i'm no cook right and my wife can attest to that and that's the problem that i have to fix she's going to divorce me that's another story um but uh they we try to teach life skills to you know self-sufficiency so i yeah you can go in and staff if you're a type of staff that can cook you go cook but i'm the guy that i you cook we eat you know especially if we're buying the food so you just you cook we eat um, so this hurts my libertarian ethos a little bit because this is you're paid by the government, are you? Is this a gov is this the government doing a good job? Uh, <laughs> Am I gonna have a fucking heart attack? I, I would like to say <laughs> I, I would say yes. We're ultimately paid by Department of Public Welfare. Um, oh my God, ultimately. welfare works. I'm getting dizzy. <laughs> I'm but, blacking out. But here's the thing. <laughs> but, 
here's the thing. Here's what makes the job difficult is the, the bureaucracy involved. Is it, it that is also a handicap, you know, because you can't you kind of can't talk to the kids and using real language. You have to speak in uh, and there the other time. You must have to say nigger three hundred times a day. I uh, no. I w- if I could, if you if you if they do, you know. But I'm gonna give you an example. If a kid is running down the hall, I'm technically not allowed to say stop running. What? I, I'm supposed to say slow down. What? Stop. Because stop has a negative influence. Oh my God. And you don't want But if there's ki- one group that needs <laughs> tough love swearing, a, Thank a you. cuff upside the head, Thank you. it's this group. Absolutely. And, and that's but, their that's their environment out there. Like there was a yeah, woman sure. who was on the news recently because she she wrote a humiliating diatribe on her daughter's T-shirt. Says, "I got to focus on my marks. Don't talk to me. Uh, I'm not here to socialize. I'm here to pass my classes." Yeah. And 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 she also had bruises on her and belt marks. Uh, the kid did, and she was probably 13 years old. So they the child services took the kid away, and. I always thought, you don't know the fucking world she lives in. A few bruises and a belt was commonplace one generation ago. So maybe violence is a crucial uh, part of your vocabulary when you're a, ma- a single mom in the hood. Yeah, you are. Maybe humiliation does work out great. Everyone thought it was funny when that barbershop in Atlanta made kids bald <laughs> to <laughs> yeah, humiliate them. I remember that, that was amusing. This yeah. is exactly the same thing yeah. with a few belts and a fucking few smacks. Yeah. You know... And, and and this time though, unlike when I grew up, and and my mother, I come from a single parent household. My mother was married eventually, but a large part of my life, uh, single parent. Mom. Did you get the switch? Uh, Is that uh, a my southern thing? Was, you know, my my cousin got the switch. Oh, the dead one. Uh, no, 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 no. Okay. That's my younger cousin. Another cousin got the switch, and I saw that, and I said, <laughs> I don't want any of that. You Where know, was that in Philly? You, yeah, and you go so out. So the switch goes all the way oh, up absolutely. to the north. You will have to go and. And the thing is, where the where's the nearest tree in Philly? You gotta go a, a block away. <laughs> this is a branch. This is this was years ago. Okay, this was years ago. So you have to go to the tree and pick, grab the branch, and you knew what the branch was for. And if you got something that wasn't sufficient, you know, you, you, they might. My mom may come back with the whole tree. You couldn't go get a There's lilac nothing. or maybe no. a, da- a dandelion. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Hell no. Cattail. So you, you had to pick your own poison pretty much. Ooh. And and I have to say that it worked. I mean, I knew. But you never even got it and it worked. Just no, the threat I of it worked. I knew it's like it. gun control. Right. Just knowing guns are in the neighborhood <laughs> makes you less likely to commit a right, crime. Right, right. You wow. know what? I tweeted a story the other day about this uh, 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 84-year-old vet. And he uh, was getting in his car. And by, he didn't know that he was being stalked by an urban hyena. So this <laughs> urban hyena is walking behind him while the old man is reaching to his car. And the young guy walks up on him. And the, and the old man turns around, pulls out the gun, and the urban hyena runs off into the wilderness. No shots fired. And the old man says, I don't understand why anyone isn't armed. Yes. It doesn't make sense. Well, those never come up in the anti-gun stats is the millions of cases where just going like this or knowing that it might be over there makes uh, someone run in the opposite direction. Yeah. And we see this in Detroit now that the chief of police has said, arm yourself, crime is going down. Sure. 
Do, don't you think, this is a very biased way of asking this question, but don't you think that guns would make the ghetto safer? Yes. Because yes. the bad guys already got them. And they're going to get them anyway. Whether they're legal or illegal, they're going to get them. So you take, you, you punish law-abiding citizens, like in Philadelphia, but they make it really difficult to get a gun. But to protect yourself right and that's and, and i feel like you're doing a disservice to the, the to the uh to the population when all of the criminals there are you know it's the wild wild west and you talk about you know gun is gun violence gun violence and and this, these are these are the asinine arguments which i think needs to be and they need to be fought against and there's not enough people where i'm from that fight against this gun violence um talk they don't, and they don't, they never blame people. And that's yeah. what's just foolish. You never, they never say, you know what, this is, I think the guns only work because the people who are using the guns. So it's really people. Well, they'll also, they'll have a picture of a, a, a Madison dad showing his son, <laughs> son how to shoot a rifle, <laughs> the, the son that he lives with. And then that kid yeah. died a few years later. And that's, and that's the front page of the New York Times. But the vast majority of, child gun accidents are really teen gangbangers and then below that is some single mom who has some fucking gangster boyfriend over who doesn't even realize that his gun is sitting there where a kid can have it yeah i but, mean listen yeah, man, at the end of the day shit happens you know but that is no excuse to to punish all of us well those are illegal guns that do the killing right, exactly and there, there's a murder a day in fucking new york with these illegal guns i could get one today for 500 bucks but to get a, a carrying concealed carry permit in Manhattan, you're looking at five grand and a year and a half if you can pull that off. Yeah, if you have the if time, you can pull it off, right? If you can get the lawyer, you go through all the interviews. It's a fucking nightmare here, and it's it's funny that they just had that that fake commercial where the guy's showing people guns in New, New York, and he's got assault rifles and stuff. He's I saying, didn't this see killed it. a kid. It was a viral video that the uh, gun lobby, okay. anti-gun lobby, put out, and he's showing all these New Yorkers all these guns, and you're like, first of all, these are all white people. The the problem with guns in New York is illegal guns in East New York. And the only way to help those guys like you who live with their families is to arm them. Old ladies in the hood need a gun. I agree. More the, than anyone. The gentleman I said earlier, uh, uh, James D- James Stallman, walking his dog, unarmed. He walked his dog every night, same route. Had he been armed, you know? I'm just saying, had he been armed. But who knows the type of hoops he would have had to jump through to get Or to had him. the kid known that it was possible he'd be or armed. Ha- exactly. Had he known, because again, before they uh, robbed him, there was another person that they passed up. And they said, no, 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 no this guy, this is the one here. So that first person, I think, um, he had a pit bull, the first one, I think. <laughs> and this guy was walking something smaller, more docile dog. And, you know, I mean, but to, to, to call it Gun violence. I mean, it's just as asinine as calling it bullet violence. You might as well right. just call it bullet bullet violence if you're going to call it well, gun the, violence. Well, the common thread here is all these people reaching out to help. And if sure their heart is in the right place, but they end up making it worse. I'm going to help crime in the hood. I'm going to make it hard to get guns. You just made it worse. Uh, I'm going to uh, uh, quell scientific research that might hurt blacks' feelings. I'm going to get a brown guy fired. Every time they get in and meddle, they seem to make it worse. Now, your job <laughs> is blowing a hole in my theory 
which I'm not happy about. Uh, <laughs> but at least I can argue that you could do your job a lot better if it was free market based and you didn't have these rules like you can't say stop running. Yeah, and you know what? My and 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 let me say this: pro the pro type of programs that we run, they're they're on the chopping block. Okay. Um, because uh, they have other ways other ways they want to deal with these and I don't even want to say young black men because they're young men uh, white guys Puerto Rican guys Asian guys ooh uh but the majority that I serve are black because that's a majority black city uh, but they have other ways that I think aren't effective because the, again there's it's this soft glove white glove approach that they want to use with the kids that uh, that they're not responding to now these kids uh, come from rough places. Yeah. And, and you know, you have to speak the language they speak. Right. People and, get stabbed over a piece of chicken. There was a guy the other day who was murdered uh, over a chicken fight. Or you get in, in massive brawls because one guy says he feels disrespected. Yeah, oh, you think yes. that one person is going to listen to slow down? Yes. Yeah, that's, that's disrespectful, telling them to slow down. <laughs> if you <laughs> Okay, we've only got a bit of time left, but let's solve all racial problems in America in the next one minute. Wow. Now, I think the solution is anarchy. Let everyone have guns. Shut up about affirmative action. Shut up about all these programs to try to help people. And uh, stop with the welfare where you're encouraging families to be single mom families. So there's no longer an incentive for families to be split. Stop it with the fucking drug war where we're throwing people in jail for pot and fucking coke while we're at it. All drugs legal. <laughs> I want total anarchy, and I have faith that there'll be a lot of people bitching about not getting their welfare check, but and a lot of people bitching about criminals running around selling more pot than ever, but I ultimately think everyone would be better off with less rules and okay. more freedom and more information. All right, what he said. You see, Talib agrees yeah. with me. <laughs> what he said. Thanks very much for coming. I really appreciate it. Everyone, please pick up The Uncivil War, Blacks versus Niggers. Yes. Uh, if you're white and you're going to the store and you're asking for it, just say, uh, can I get The Uncivil War? Or could yeah. you direct me to the Talib Stark section? Or just tell them your black friend, Talib Stark, sent you to get the book. Yeah. And when work. you're in the line, you can put your thumb over the word, <laughs> and then you can put your money on blacks versus, and then twenty bucks is sitting there. Wow! You know, you know now if it were if it were uh, if another word besides nigger, if I said, and you know, because that word is crazy that it has. Well, your sequel, your next book is blacks versus chinks, and I really look forward to. Oh, thank you. Reading that. So That's you, you gave it away too soon. Sorry, we don't want to promote that. <laughs> <laughs> the L.A. riots, blacks versus chinks. <laughs> No, that was Gooks. Oh, um, yeah, thanks for coming, guys. And Talib will be a regular guest. Uh, yeah, we barely scratched the surface here. And I learned something. I learned that the state isn't doing all bad. And some of their programs actually have some hope. They brought us Talib. They employed him with doing a great thing. Um, I'll have to rectify that with some booze later on. Thanks, guys. And a thumbs up to anyone who's ever helped an old lady across the street and then had sex with her. <laughs>